Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. If God has never failed you yet, would you clap your hands and praise to him? Amen. Aren't you grateful that we have a God that loves us and he's there for us? It's so good to see you today. I'm so glad that you're with us. If you're a guest, we hope that you've been made to feel welcome. Uh, my name is Kent. I'm the senior pastor. And we've been doing a session on worship. And there's different ways to worship. You know what I mean? There's ways. We talked about the woman. To, how you doing, Brainy? I'm Kent. How you doing there, Chip? It's good to see you guys. There's different ways that we worship. Now, you know, um, when we talked about the lady last night, you guys said, he's lost his mind. What is he doing? When you came in this place this morning, I hope and pray that somebody extended their hand to you. Did they do that? How many of you, somebody shook your hand this morning when you came in this place? You guys know I'm a real handshaker, right? How you doing, Tina? Yeah, how you doing, brother? Yeah, I can't wait to get back to my bottle up on the front row where I clean my hands. No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Here's the thing. Handshaking has an interesting history. How you doing? Good to see you, brother. Yeah, I'll shake your hand, too. Yeah, stretch. How many of you know what the history of a handshake is? Yeah, I didn't know what it was either, but I Googled it. You know, you can find a lot of things on the computer, can't you? How you doing, brother David? The or no, give me that hand there. Stay there. <laughs> the origin of the handshake goes back a long way. In fact, it goes back to 5 B.C. Hello, Miss Mammon. How are you? Hi, buddy. 5 B.C., handshake started. You know why it started? Here's the thing. Back in that day, they carried their weapons around their waist. And so when they were coming up on somebody, if their hands were free, guess what? They didn't know if they were coming in peace or coming to fight. And so when they would come up to somebody and they'd pull their hand out, Greg, and say, how you doing? They knew they were coming as a friend, and they, was coming, they were coming in fellowship. I want to talk to you today about worship, but we're going to talk about something a little bit different, but it's, it's something that has a big part of worship, and I think it's way overlooked many, many times, and it's the concept and the idea of fellowship. Before we do that, let's pray and ask God's blessing on our service. Father, thank you. For this day. Thank you, Lord, that we have a place where we can gather in your name to worship you. Father, we are so grateful that you loved us, that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. And so I pray, God, today as I share the message that you laid on my heart, that you're glorified and that people will be drawn closer to you, Lord. This is about you. I pray for the gift of preaching and that when we leave here today, we will say it's been good to be in God's house and to be in fellowship. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody together said, so the tradition of handshaking goes back a long way, 5 B.C., that's a long time. In the New Testament, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, look at what it says. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to them, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. Right there it is in the New Testament. Look at that. The right hand of, say it with me, fellowship. Fellowship is an interesting thing. We come in this place and we worship. But we also come in this place and we worship through fellowship. Last week we talked about the woman at the well. And we talked about how that she was encountering Jesus. And it changed her life. Today I'm going to look at a passage of scripture. And it's in 1 John chapter 1. And it's four verses. I want you to, uh, I want you to read this. Let's pull that up if we will. And, and read this together. Now watch this. This is John. And he wrote this letter. He had written the gospel. But he also wrote this letter. Look what he says as he writes this letter. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us. And look at this. And we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is, he says it again, 
He is the one who is eternal life. Not one of many, the one. That's interesting. He says he was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually, he says it again, we've seen and heard so that you, now watch this, we're doing this, we're telling this, he's saying, so that you may have, say it with me, fellowship with us and our, say it again, fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. We talked about the woman at the well last week. Jesus broke borders. He broke down the barriers. He broke down religious things and went into an area where he shouldn't have went, and he talked to somebody he wasn't supposed to talk to. And as a result of that, a woman's life was changed. She understood worship. She got a new perspective. She thought worship only happened in a certain place and a certain time, and he said, you know who you were speaking to, man. You'd understand it. And he gave her some water, and she never thirsted again. And you know what she did, Shane? She went back home, and the whole community, a lot of the folks accepted Jesus as a result, and she worshiped, and she fellowshiped. Today, as we talk about this idea and this concept of worship, I want us to look at the other side and what, what is, is, is magical, if you will, to some extent, about fellowship. You see, the key to real fellowship is Jesus. That's why we're here today. We come in this place because Jesus is the key to our fellowship. And John got this. John spoke about this. It's interesting that John spent the whole part of his gospel message that he wrote talking about Jesus being God. And in the, in the epistle that he's writing, this letter that he's writing, he talks about Jesus being man. You know what? He was both. And he lived among us. The Bible says in the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and that word translated as logos, which means living Word, and Jesus was the living Word. You think about it, there never was a time when Jesus wasn't. He was in the beginning, as the Scripture was saying. He was with the Father in the beginning. There never will be a time when Jesus will not be as we go forward. He is the Son of God. And if we have a relationship with God the Father and we worship Him, doesn't it make sense that we should have fellowship with Him? And the same is true about Jesus, his son, because it's through Jesus that we come to the Father. In verse 2 of this passage, John says, Now we testify and proclaim to you that he is, not might be, not could be, not should be. He said he is eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. And I think it's a beautiful concept when we look at this. In John 10, verse 27, Jesus speaks, and John talks about this, how he communicates to us. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And in Revelation 3, it says, I stand at the door and knock. We have fellowship with Jesus today. He speaks to us. Now, I have talked to some of you in this church, and, and you've told me that you've actually heard the voice of God. And you know what? I believe that. I believe that God has spoken to you. He's never done that to me. I've never heard the audible voice, but I believe that he does. But I'll tell you what he has done. He spoke to me through people in this church that's come up to me and said something, and it just <laughs> rung my bell. He's also come to me through the word of God, through this written word of God. He'll speak to us if we'll listen, but I'm going to tell you, it's a lot like I got this problem sometimes. The reason I don't hear him is because I'm not listening. Does anybody else have that problem? Diane was here in the first service, my wife, and she was the loudest amen on right there about not listening. Bless my heart, right? <laughs> Jesus is the reason for fellowship. Jesus is the reason that Burlington Baptist exists. We can go anywhere and be entertained. We can go anywhere and hear good music, Danny. Love you, buddy. But, you know, it, I mean, it's all over the place. Jesus is the reason. You can hear good preaching. But Jesus is why we're here, and we fellowship together. 
And I've said this before, when you get out of the car, worship is on. And we come in this place and we're to encourage one another and we're to listen for God to speak to us and not just go through the motions of religion. I had somebody come to me and say, man, I tell you what, I walked in that place the other day, talking about here, I was so proud, he said, I couldn't believe it. He said, there was 10 people greeted me and said hi before I got to that center door. That's worship. That's fellowship. That's what he wants us to do, to share one another, to encourage one another. Do you know 95 or 96% of the people that visit a church have already decided before they ever hear the preacher whether they're going to come back or not? Close. Worship, fellowship. So what does fellowship look like? In a book by uh, James Packer, he wrote this book, and it's titled Your Father Loves You. And he's referencing the book of Acts. And he talks about a passage of Scripture in particular in Acts chapter 2. But look at what he says. What is meant by fellowship in the book of Acts in this verse? Is it gossip? I tell you, I've been in some churches where (laughs) might have been, might have thought it was messed up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Is it cups of tea? No. What is referred to in this book of Acts that we're looking at something of a quite different order and on a quite different level? Listen, they met constantly to hear the apostles teach and to share common life and break bread and pray a sense of awe was everywhere when you line up when we line up together as a church and we get in one accord and we're all focused on the same thing and that's jesus and what he wants us to do in this community there's nothing that can stop us nothing that's good isn't it i finally got to be on a winning team man He goes on to say that that they shared and their faith was a thing that was common and with one mind they kept up their daily attendance in the temple. And he says that is fellowship as the New Testament understands it. And there's clearly a difference. There's clearly a difference of world difference between what the church does and social activities. Now we have social activities. um, And we we have worship and we have fellowship. You know, and, and here's the part of this that I really, that struck me the other day. When we fix a meal around here, there's Edna and the ladies in the purple uh, aprons that I talk to when we have meals. We fix a meal, right? Where do we go to have the meal, Edna? The fellowship hall. It occurred to me that every hall in this place ought to be a fellowship hall. Every inch of this place should be a fellowship hall. And if we're on the page with the God and doing what we're supposed to be doing, that's the way it is. The Greek word for fellowship comes from the root meaning, which means common or shared. Fellowship means common participation in something either by giving what you have to other people or receiving what they have back. Give and take is the essence of fellowship, and give and take must be the way of fellowship in the common life of Christ. Now watch this. This writer goes on to say, Christian fellowship is two-dimensional. Now I want you to watch this because here we go. This is where we're going to kind of land on this a little bit. Christian fellowship is two-dimensional. It is to be vertical and horizontal. Last week we talked about the woman at the well. She connected with God. They talked about God the Father and through Jesus. And we come in here and we look up to the Father and, and we praise Him and we worship Him. But also in our worship it must go out. Because if it doesn't go out, what good is it? It's just served its purpose in us, and we're supposed to share with others. In 1 Timothy 3, 15, it says this, God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. 
as disciples of Jesus Christ, and if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are not only called to believe, but we are called to belong. I have people tell me all the time, well, you know, I, uh, I used to go to church, but... I used to do this, but, you know, I get... Uh, you know, the fact is, Jesus established the church. And as a body of Christ, we're part of this together. Just like your body has many parts, if you're not here, something's missing. And God has a plan for you and a purpose for you. I heard a story about a preacher that went and visited an old, uh, older gentleman who was, uh, had quit coming to church. He was a difficult person and said that he, he never saw the need to go to church. The old preacher reached over in the fireplace and with the tongs and he grabbed a piece of the hot coals from the middle of the fire and he brought it up toward the front of the fire, a little bit away from the heat of the fire. And eventually they both sat there and, and eventually the light grew dimmer in that piece of coal that he brought forward until the glowing ember turned gray and cold. And the preacher put his hand on the shoulder of the older gentleman and he said this, whether your heart is cold or hot, it depends upon whether or not you'll get in the fire with others. We need each other. We need each other. Think about it. God knew from the very beginning that we needed each other. He created people to be together. He created man and he created woman and he put them together. Fellowship together from the very beginning. Fellowship. And again, I believe that we're not just called to believe, but we're also called to belong. Oh, I know. You know, when it's funny because you guys know I go out and sometimes I don't look like a preacher when the way I dress and so forth and so on. And I'll have people and they'll say things and carry on. And then they'll say, so what do you do for a living? And I'll say, I'm the pastor at Burlington Baptist Church. And they'll be like, what? And then they'll start apologizing to me. And I'm like, you don't have to apologize, man. You know, you're real. I'm real. Let's just deal with it, you know. But then they'll say, well, you know, I, I don't go to church. And, 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 and I got to thinking about this. It's interesting because you hear every excuse in the world about why not to go to church. And I got to thinking about the excuses that we hear about why we don't go to church. And I, and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if we put those in another application, like why we don't go to, let's say, a concert or maybe a sporting event or something that's very close to us. Listen to this. Wouldn't this be cool? It, it would be something like this. Football in the fall, basketball in the winter, baseball in the spring. Concert, you know, fall, concert, spring, concert in the winter. I quit those things once and for all. You can't get near those places. I ain't going back. Want to know why? Every time I go to one of those places, they want my money. How about this one? Oh, yeah, the people that I sat with, they weren't very friendly in those places. I'm not going back. The seats are too hard in those places. I ain't going back over there. I'm not going to go to another. It's a concert. The seats are too, they're too hard at the concert. I'm not going. You know, people I was sitting around, they're all hypocrites. I ain't going back. And the people that came to this thing, the only reason they came was to see what they were wearing. Isn't this fun? I've been waiting all week to share this with you guys. Some of those concerts I went to and those games that I attended, you know, they went into overtime and it was so late when I got home. Oh my gosh. Oh, here's the one. The band, the band played those songs. I didn't like any of the songs they played. I ain't never going back. And you know the games, uh, the, the music, the concerts, the game, whatever we're talking about, they were scheduled when I had better things to do. And uh, I was taken, and here's the best one. 
Here's the best one. You ready? I was taken to too many things, games, concerts, when my, par- when my parents, when I was growing up, and I don't want to take my children to any of those kind of things because I want them to choose for themselves what they like. <laughs> Sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? But, I mean, it's what we hear, isn't it? I mean, it is what we hear. You know, I'm not preaching against entertainment or against music because you guys both know we all love all those things, and I think God gave us those things to enjoy. But it's interesting, it's about our priorities, isn't it? And fellowship as believers should be our priority. It's another way that we worship when we come into this place. Our fellowship is with God and with Jesus. And when we see fellowship as worship, we see there's also a blessing that comes out of fellowship. I remember as a, as a new believer, uh, uh, you know, at first I, I got involved and I was like, you know, and then I started getting, I was in the RAs and, and that was the Royal Ambassadors for the Southern Baptist Church when I was growing up. And I got into these things and then it was fellowship. And it was kids, you know, this was the 70s, and, and it was really cool. I, I, I made friends in that, and that's what happens in church. We use the term around here, getting connected in a life group. But you know what the fact of the matter is? If you go to a Sunday school class, and you've been going to that class, you know what that is? It's a life group. It's a place where you're connected. It's a place where, and it's a blessing. I know some of you call me, and because you're in a life group with some, some people, and something happens to one of them, you can call and go, you know what, Ken, I just want to let you know, such and such is blah, 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 blah. They're connected. And that's fellowship. That's a blessing. Look at verse 3. It says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare you that you may have this fellowship. So many times we misunderstand this word fellowship, and we think it's like always food and fun, you know. In fact, every church, like I said, when we, call, when we get together, we go in the building, we call it the fellowship hall. But in reality, every room, every person should be in fellowship. Fellowship has a Greek word meaning koinonia, and it means to share in common what we have in common. We can go out in the parking lot and we can look at the cars and we can see that we all have different tastes. Look at the clothes we wear and we can look at the hairstyles. And those of you that have hair, I'm envious. But in the, anyway, the fact of the matter is we all have things that we like and preferences. But when we come to Jesus, when we come to Jesus, that's where we come together. And Jesus said, by this you'll know who my kids are. It ain't because they do this or do that or wear this or wear that. It's because they love each other. That's fellowship, and that's what he set up, and that's what he did, and there's a beauty in that. He said, I'm writing these things that you may fully share your joy. <laughs> I love the extreme words that's used in the Bible. They don't say, I'm writing these things so you can have a third of a cup of joy, or I'm writing these things so you're half full. No, he says, I'm writing these to you to be full of joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And fellowship is part of that. You know, I've had times on Sunday morning, and you get up and you think, man, I've got this stuff that's going to roll over. You know, I'm not going to let this go, right? But then you get up, and you come in here, and you get out of the car, and you walk through the door, and you go, man, I'm glad I did that, you know? Because it's fellowship, and there's blessing in fellowship. We live in the greatest age, I think, of all time. I really do. I really. I mean, who would have ever thought that you could have a device in your pocket, Kevin, that you could dial around the world or you could see what's happening in real time, what's going on? I mean, it's insane, isn't it? But yet, yet, I believe we see in our society and in our world a shortage of joy. Would you agree with that? There's a shortage of joy. And yet it appears that there is this shortage of joy. But look at what Psalm 1611 says. You will show me the way of life. Did you catch that? You'll show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and pleasure of living with you forever. It's in the Lord that we find our joy. There's little joy in isolation. 
Fellowship can help us and encourage us. And we can learn from others, and we can be an encouragement to others, and we can be encouraged by others. I saw that thing happen this morning. I stood out there. Somebody went up and started, you know, because I'm a fist bumper. Those of you who don't know me, I normally shake hands. And, and so I was shaking hands. They're going, what are you doing? They were like, they didn't know what to do. You know, and I said, you'll know in a little bit. But I stood out there and watched people as they fellowshiped and hugged and they talked and they laughed. And I'd walk by and I'd hear comments and they were talking about what's going on in your life. And I saw two people. I saw one that was pretty, had a burden. And I saw another person grab that person by the arm and they went down the hallway. And they were down there praying. Isn't that great you can go somewhere like that? Isn't it good to know that somebody loves you when you've got a burden, something going on in your life? That somebody cares. I have a heavenly father that cares. And I have a friend that cares too, and he'll pray with me if I need him to. Yeah, that's fellowship. That's the church. That's what Jesus established. And John's writing about this so that your joy will be fully full. That you'll be fully full of joy. How about that? There you go. Ecclesiastes talks about one, here's what he says in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is a mere feather. I see it all the time. You ever just, anybody here ever people watch? Y'all ever like to go over to the Walmart and sit on the bench? Or go to the mall, sit on the bench and just people watch? And see the expressions on people's faces. And sometimes you see people that are joyful. And sometimes you see people that are, that are, you know, you can tell they're burdened. The joy of the Lord and strength in numbers. God gave us this, this thing to belong. And he gave us a picture of this belonging. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote this. Look at what Paul says. This is what we proclaim in word and action. When we were baptized, each of us is now a part of his resurrection body. When we were baptized... We do these baptisms up here. The reason we do that is because somebody's accepted Christ in their heart by faith. And they want to show the world to bury the old and be raised with the new. And when doing that, we're part of the body of Christ when we accept him into our lives. And it takes all of us. I read a story that kind of shared this about how we share things. It was an illustration of trees. There was a, a title called, What Good is a Tree? An article and it went on to explain that a tree in trees there is a substance that's released to reduce competition between two trees. It's supposedly kind of a fungus thing that works in the roots and it links the roots of the different trees together. And so, like one tree has a link to water, the other tree has a link to sunlight and other nutrients, and these trees will have all the means to share and support one another. And that's kind of like it is with the church. That's how it is with the church. When we have something in our hearts that's a burden. We grab to somebody else that can help us and encourage us and lift us up. The New Testament term translated as a partnership, and that is fellowship and worship. And that's another example that the Lord gives us. The success of any team is always dependent upon every member doing their part to help the team to be the greatest team it can be. Billy Graham used an illustration very similar to the old preacher. He said, church goers are like coals in a fire. When they cling together, they keep the flame glowing. When they separate, they die out. And I've seen it over and over and over. We need to fellowship together. We need the worship together. I understand things come up, and I understand that life gets busy, and I'm not saying that there aren't situations when we miss church. But what I'm saying is we need the fellowship, and that's part of worship, and we need to continue on that and be conscientious about that as God leads us. Do you believe that? Can you say amen? There's another side of worship today. 
call fellowship. And Jesus is the center of that fellowship. Jesus is what made us get here together today, what brought us to this place. I love to see young people singing about Jesus. They're tomorrow's church. There's tomorrow's fellowship. What a blessing it is to have those young people in our church to do that. There's a true blessing in personally knowing Jesus. We have people in this church that's been here for years. And what a blessing it is. I tell some of them, I walked up to one the other day, this person was 88, 87 or 88 years old, and I said, I look at you and I say, it can be done. You see, you, you have held the torch in the fellowship. And it takes all of us those in between. Are you part of that fellowship today? Do you believe? Well, if you believe, you belong. Maybe God's speaking to you today to, to you about maybe joining our church or maybe making a profession of faith. Listen. Listen to what he says to you. Because there is truly a blessing in personally knowing Jesus. And being in fellowship helps to move us out of spiritual isolation. And it's my prayer that if you are in that situation, that you'll let us know and that we can help find you a place in this church where you can serve. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, it's my prayer that this is the day that you accept him into your life. Christian fellowship is two-dimensional. Not a part of it is also about going out and getting into the church. I believe the Bible teaches that. And I pray that you can use this in your life and lead your life that way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for John and for his writings of, of, the, of the gospel message also for this letter about fellowship and about how that he saw and touched you as you walked on this earth and how that we can see you, Lord, through others and in your church and that our joy can be full. I pray, God, now as we go into this time of commitment that you would have your way, that you would speak and that hearts would surrender to you and what it is that you're leading each of us to do. We love you, Lord. Thank you for bringing us into this fellowship. What a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. This is our time of commitment. It's a time when we sing and we pray. And we